You're listening to the Sound Girls Podcast with Katie. Today's episode features an interview with Belinda Coombs. Belinda is a music composer who specializes in composing for games. Her credits include Ring of Pain and Command and Conquer, Tiberian Sun Rising. Additionally, Belinda is the ingestion coordinator at InStyle Music a music library providing music for film, television, and media, where she is involved in the music submission process. Hi, Belinda. How's it going? Not too bad. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for being here. So uh, are you living a Tuesday morning life right now? Yeah, I am. Whereabouts are you? Are you America or Canada? Canada. Yeah, yeah. Canada. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 7 p.m. where I am. Yeah, I think I'm in the future. Yeah. Oh my God, what's <laughs> so it like? tomorrow morning. <laughs> oh, it's, it's quite nice, actually. It's a bit of a warm day. I like that way. <laughs> so dress well. <laughs> yeah, no, it's warming up here. We've uh, just had winter, so we're very much looking forward to warmer weather. Oh, good. But um, but yeah, no, I've been in lockdown for a really long time and that's all lifting. And so a, a lot of people are hoping that next year is going to be a very different year, myself included. It's been hard with, you know, audio and networking and, and getting work and games and everything. It's very much about getting out and meeting people. So it's, yeah, it's been a weird year. Canada was really quick to get everyone vaccinated. and Yeah, well, I'm in Ontario and Ontario, I think, was, um, I don't know, the reputation was that they had the harshest lockdowns. I can't possibly, it couldn't be in the world. Maybe it was just in Canada. But yeah, we had lockdowns for a while. But but yeah, I guess a lot of people are vaccinated now. Life's kind of, yeah, it's kind of halfway, you know, we're not out of the woods. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people are the, in that situation. It's the it's the end of the start, isn't it? And now it's about what's, what's life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Before we head into the apocalypse, you know, <laughs> the zombie apocalypse, you know, what, what's life like now? Oh my God, are you? <laughs> You're going to compose for the zombie apocalypse? Is it going to be Belinda Combs? Uh, I hope so. I will. I will go down like the you know like the musicians on Titanic. Oh. I'll be. <laughs> See that it's all I'll worth go it. down yeah. playing. <laughs> what else are you going to do? That, that's what I say. Yeah. <laughs> um, I work for a music library as well, and the library owner is from Canada. So I've heard of the lockdowns he was going through, and then you know they were quite good with every everything and opening up and, you know, production on that side of things and like the TV production just died and no one was looking, you know, no, the production studios weren't using music and, but that sort of all picked up again. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's been interesting. Um, It's been an interesting world. Yeah. Wait, so wait, this is InStyle you're referring to, InStyle Music? Yeah. So is that, yeah. that's Canadian? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's Canadian, but yeah. So the, the main guy who set it up, yeah, he's from Canada. So initially he made friends with a music supervisor who needed lots of music and he couldn't fill that need. So then he started helping his friends out by putting them all together, but the music supervisor needed more and more music. So it just kind of grew from there. And he's like, well, I, I suppose I need to, he needed to create a publishing company to be able to manage it. And then it just, and now he's, you know, there's hundreds of <laughs> composers in the library. So that's how it all sort of happens. Yeah. Oh, wow. And I met him, I got into the library, but I met him at a conference overseas. I flew to LA for a conference and then we met. So, and it just kind of went from there, you know, what he was looking for. And it's like, oh, you know, <laughs> Perfect I'm looking for yeah. VA work. Yeah. <laughs> It's not yeah. related to the magazine in any way, right? Because there's an InStyle magazine. No. Okay. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Different. Okay, good, good, good. I, I was like, oh my God, they came up with a music library? That is such a smart, <laughs> obvious <laughs> They're everywhere. <laughs> oh, so that's kind of what you're talking about when you say you miss the networking, eh? Because that was, I guess, a kind of kindred mm. met in an LA conference that 
miss those? Oh, just just everything. I mean, forget games is very much network. Yeah, getting out and people people do tend to like it if they know that you know how to compose for games. And you can say all sorts of things on an email. It's like, hello, you know, I'm amazing composer. I know how to compose for games and things. But a lot of people, because they're, you know, they're pretty down to earth because a lot of them are engineers. So they do like to know who you are and what you're about. And yeah, it's it's just hard being getting out, knowing who's working on what games and who's doing what. So yeah. Okay. I really, I really <laughs> hope it, yeah, kind of slip into some normalcy because it would be good to get that back for sure. Mm. God. Mm. <laughs> and I just wanted to say, I think what Sound Girls does is awesome. So big ups for big <laughs> being ups involved. Sound Girls. And, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Trying to make, you know, trying to make change happen because it, it's a push. Yeah. No, this is, it's, it's cool because I like, I'm at the start of my career, so I haven't like, you know, realized any of the gendered hurdles or anything like that yet. Um, so it's cool to just, yeah, be part of such a great organization as a little mm. sound baby. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So can we start at the beginning? How you got into video games and audio, both? How did your interest develop? How I, you know, the, the, the short answer is how I got into video games was there's an event locally here in Melbourne called High School and APRA manage um, a, a part of managing that and putting that together. And so they sent out an email saying, if you want to work for video games, you know, come along and <laughs> come to this event. And there was a lot of good information that the presenters were saying. And I sort of just did what they said to do, you know, get out, join certain Facebook groups locally, get out to your local game networking event, go along to, you know, Games Week, do all these things. So I just I just sort of did that. And they mentioned how much um, games is really, it's, it's really about meeting people. And it's really personal. You know, people are really passionate about the games that they're working on. And there are a number of developers who really like to know people. And But I was always, I mean, I'm probably a typical musician in that I didn't know how to get into music or get into audio. And so I study, go to uni and get a degree and get a proper job. So I did the proper thing. I got a job and it was, you know, it was comfortable. I mean, I enjoyed engineering. I enjoyed the challenge. I enjoyed it all, but I just, I had been working at a company for a number of years and I just sort of felt, well, if I, if I don't change now, I'll be here for another 10 years, (laughs) which wasn't a bad thing, but it's like, well, is this what I really want to do? I think also as you get older, you get a bit more confident. You're a bit more aware of you in your own abilities. It's like, well, how about I just, you know, try and figure this thing out. I've got no idea how to make being a composer a main gig, but I've got to try. How about I just give myself one to two years just just to try? You know, I could always go back. So that's essentially what what I did, and I quit my job, which was a really terrifying experience. Yeah. <laughs> I had to get out of that mindset. The biggest thing was mindset for me, which was I've got to stop being Belinda the engineer, and I've got to start being Belinda the creative. You know, allowing myself to be the person that I wanted to be. Being a music composer, there's a lot you have to practice. You have to practice your skills. You have to practice audio engineering and, and everything. So it's not something that, you know, it takes time to dedicate yourself to. But I, in my life, I've always played instruments, played music, play jazz and go out and, and play gigs and, and do bits and pieces. So I had a grounding, I think, like I knew a good amount of stuff. And then I think it was really just putting the hours in, changing the direction that I was heading in, focusing on what I want and making it's just the life around that with that is my main focus. But it, it's become really clear over time that video, you know, I've, I've always played video games. And when I was a when I was a kid, I 
was obsessed with playing games, but it just seems like a really good fit. And because my background's engineering and video games are essentially a software product, you know, it's a software company building an entertainment product. Um, it all just kind of fits really nicely. So I, that's essentially how I got to it. Wow. Okay. So uh, a few questions. <laughs> no, this is, that was so great. Um, I'm wondering what was like your, do you remember the first video game you ever played that you got hooked on? I think the very first one was A King's Quest, which are kind of like these little, they're kind of text-based, but they've got, I don't know what the official term is, but you've got visuals. You've got like a screen and a little character moving around and then they just, you move, you move to the edge of the screen and a new screen pops up. Um, but yeah, King's Quest and Space Quest. And I surprisingly was allowed to play Leisure Suit Larry. <laughs> Why was that? Is it bad? Oh, it's, it's, um, we haven't heard. No, um, I'm out it's, of the loop. It's, it's a, it's a kind of sexual, sexualized game. It's probably really politically incorrect nowadays. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> but it was, it was hilarious as a kid. Yeah, no kidding. So I'm, su- so I'm surprised I was allowed to play it. <laughs> I mean, it's nothing too inappropriate because then, you know, things were a little bit more innocent back in those days. But it, for, for a kid, yeah, you do have to kind of question what message it was sending. <laughs> <laughs> so then you were always like, do you have siblings or were you? I have a sister. Sister. Yeah. And so you were just like, were, mm. were you both gamers? No, she's not really into games. Um, I, I really tried to get her to play games with me. <laughs> um, she, she would a little bit. Um, you know, we played Nintendo, Mario Brothers and things, but she just wasn't as captivated as games as I was. She's very, yeah, she's, she's very social out there, wants to get out, you know, do things and enjoyed cooking and other stuff. You know, she was, so she was always out. She'd play for a couple of hours and then, you know, whereas I'd sit there all day. Right. Like totally obsessed. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then what about, um, the horror aspect, what's your relationship to horror and how did that develop? I think, again, I think it's just, it just comes back to kind of a natural fit, like a gut instinct. Like I, I loved dark movies when I was young, you know, again, <laughs> I've got a lot to say for my parents, but I was allowed to watch Freddy Krueger and other horror movies when I was young and I loved them. <laughs> I liked dark when I was a kid. I, I read lots of dark books and all that. I just find that, I, I don't know why, I just find it fascinating. Yeah, it just, I, I think the music itself, you can be really experimental and I do like trying different things with instruments. You know, I have instruments and I recently bought a cello and whilst I'm sort of trying to play it, just coming up with different sounds on it is amazing. You know, I like to get instruments and and try and see what other sounds you can get rather than traditional to create interesting textures. So I think it just lends itself to that as well. And, and, you know, I I like horror games, Resident Evil and The Evil Within and all that kind of stuff. You know, there's a beauty to them. I I don't know if that makes sense, but I I think they're, they're really interesting and captivating and and maybe just you know the adrenaline that you get from playing those games <laughs> but um uh, yeah it's kind of an industry on its own and I mean I, I I suppose I say that I specialize in writing dark music for dark games which kind of is you know action and tension and all those kind of things but horror is a very particular genre and I think also you can be really clever with music and horror it doesn't always have to be the traditional jump scares you can do interesting things so um, I like the idea of kind of specializing in the darker sounds to to get really into creating sounds and trying you know how about you try different ideas rather than just go for the you know the standard jump scare stuff try 
throw some different stuff. But yeah. No, I think you're right. Horror it does lend itself to play and like outdo what's been established. Mm. So that, that yeah, must be they're very audio focused. They're very audio audio focused as well. Horror games because it's about using your senses. So the um, the audio is really forward in the games and. I don't know, maybe, maybe that's a composer's dream, you know. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it, yeah. We'll come back okay. to this. <laughs> uh, your schooling, your first uh, bit of schooling, you said it was for software engineering. Is that what it was? Yeah, I studied computer systems engineering and then I worked for a bunch of years and then I decided, you know, one way to try and do what I really wanted to do. So I worked part-time and studied part-time and I studied music composition. And so I studied that for a bunch of years. And then once I'd finished study, I I didn't really, again, I didn't really know how to make this a career. But for me, just it was, I wanted to know how to write for orchestra, how to write big bands, how to write these things that I was hearing. But yeah, um, and and, and I, I I do think that you don't stop learning, you know, and maybe that's why I like this. I, I do see, you know, this 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 career because you don't stop learning and there's it's multifaceted and it's kind of, it's creative in the way of you have to figure out how you're going to make it and everybody's path is different. And I think there's many ways of sort of making it work, but you've just got to figure out what's right for you. But I do see it that you're always learning and that's both terrifying and amazing at the same time. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good to embrace it now because I guess it's just the way it is, but you'll never, and, yeah, so and we'll never get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, with COVID, it's an example of this is what happens. Uh, you know, I, I consume a lot of content about business and my parents ran their own business and my sister's run her business. So I've been around business people and it's always about how do you how do you deal with change? Because change is always on the horizon. And something like COVID is just one thing that will happen in your career. There's going to be other things that come in and shake everything up. So how are you going to be able to deal with that? And I think you need to be able to think your way through. So okay with COVID, but what are you going to do about it? You have to figure out how you're going to still make things happen during a time like this where you can't get out and network. Because my I, like I enjoy the networking thing, meeting people in person, whereas I wasn't really, you know, I'm, I'm not that comfortable online, create, putting stuff out online, which is it's, it's made me think about, well, how can I use social media? You know, how, how is it that, how can you create a connection with someone online now? And, and maybe, and that's a useful thing to be thinking about rather than just waiting to go back to networking. Wow. So did you kind of get your feet wet in social media during COVID? And like, how did that go? Um, I, I feel like I understand it's, it's a lot of work. <laughs> I feel like I kind of understand what I need to do. I just have to go ahead and start doing it now. So I started creating some content, but it's, it's ongoing. So, but it, but it's been interesting to realize what you can do with social media. Yeah, to help your career. So it's time consuming. So how do you fold that into your schedule? I think that's the biggest question. But long long term, you know, I think uh, what, people what hire can you do people long term to do that? Mm. I don't know. Is that the secret? Is that what influencers do? <laughs> I don't know. I think. Uh, see, I think it depends though. Like if like with this, it, it depends what you want to do. But I think if I'm creating, you know, there's a guy called Gary V who's really big on don't produce documents. So if you're looking to create content online, don't try and perfect and create these amazing things. Just document the process and put that up. So what what do you work? What did you work on this week? Film a bit or talk about it. That's that's your content. So because um, a lot of people are captivated with you know behind the scenes and and how you do things. So and and that's a really good way to 
to be creating content. It's so real. I love that. Yeah. Go Gary. Yeah. Good idea, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So do you feel comfortable doing that? Like, no. Like, <laughs> working in a little bit of iPhone action to your, your uh, uh, process? No, because no. I, I, I'm, I'm quite a private person. So I have created some content of videos of me doing things and it's so awkward, but I mean, it's really interesting, like um, looking at, I mean, it's, it's a way to, as a musician, so People, you're not going to get hired unless people know what you can do in a way. So if nobody knows that you can do a certain style or play certain instruments, you're not going to get hired for that. So playing, doing a video of you playing the guitar or playing some instrument, it's a good way for people to connect you with that memory. Because at the end of the day, it's all about how do you get people to remember. It's just about memory association. <laughs> right, just play um, the mind. How can you get people? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the psychology of how do you get people to know who you are, what you do and what you sound like. And if you can have a little video of you doing something, they may not click on the audio, but they've seen you do it. And then it's amazing how things I've put up and then I've been out talking to people and people will say, oh yeah, I saw that video, you know, I, I know this. Wow. <laughs> so it definitely, it's definitely powerful. So you have to do it more. <laughs> Gosh, yeah, not easy for me either. It's a whole thing. Yeah, it is a whole thing. Oh my God. <laughs> so I'm curious about your uh, give, giving yourself one to two years to try it. How did those gears go that you kind of stuck with it? Like what was your trying it and how did it evolve to like, now you're doing it? It's taken me a lot longer than I thought and I'm, I would still classify myself as early career. For the first year, I was just going out and doing everything that I could find. So it took me a year to find the game scene. I, I don't know why. For me, it took a while to find where it was. And then once I found the scene, you got to sort of get out and meet people. For that first year, I think I, I met some students and I sort of did some of their music for their student game. And then I went to game jams. And that first year I met a guy called Fabian Marab Marabello, who is a, well, a composer's agent, but nothing happened. And so then the year following, he reached out to me and said, oh, there's a game called Ring of Pain. I think you'd be a good fit for it. So it, other things were lost. It seems like a couple of years to get going in that time. I was doing game jams and going out to events and just going to all sorts of things. So I was learning what that means to create for games and, and doing smaller things, small little demos and to see if that was something that I could do and did I understand it. And, and then understanding for games, there's audio implementation. So then I was downloading the program and using that and having a look. And so there's a lot of kind of just looking at things and, and then doing some sound effects. And a, a friend of mine, he couldn't work on a couple of games. So he passed that over to me. So I, the first thing I actually did was do some sound effects for a game. Yeah. So I think there's a bit of trial and error, you know, and, and realizing, oh, maybe sound effects isn't as much as interesting as it is it's a whole other ball game <laughs> you know I've spent all this money on virtual instruments and with music and now I'd probably have to then go and you know invest in creating in recording equipment and libraries and all this other stuff it was just all like I could see all these costs starting to add up it's like well I, I for me I feel like I had to make it wanted to make a decision rather than trying to be everything to everyone I'll just focus mainly on composing it takes years like it, whatever you're doing it, it takes time to educate yourself and to meet people and understand I think also understand the industry getting out to events and things so um yeah it's been about four four ish years now and you consider yourself early career four five but your body of work is yeah, amazing. I, uh, it was spooking. I was um, getting spooked out. <laughs> I suppose because 
I, I do look at the number of games that I've worked on. I suppose I consider that early career where for me, what where I want to be, like as a, an established composer working on certain types of games, I'm quite far from that. So I'd, I'd probably feel this again, this is this thing about self-validation, but I, I suppose I'd feel more comfortable if I had a, lot, a sort of bigger portfolio of stuff that I've worked on. But uh, the, the other thing is games take time. So games take years in development. So Ring of Pain took a few years. Um, so you're sort of waiting for that to happen so that you've got credits. How does it work with games then, like like and involving a composer? Or like how early are you involved? What's that kind of like, what does starting a project look like? Is there a lot of, yeah, like are you actively working as they're making it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think a lot of, again, I think it would depend on the game itself and the type of game. So if it's like a little mobile game where the music's kind of further back in the game, they'll get you on later. Whereas um, a lot of people tend to get you on relatively early. They've they've often worked out the concept of the game, the story, and they're starting to prototype. Um, it also depends on funding. So do they have money? A lot of people locally, like in Melbourne, there's a lot of indie developers, which kind of means it's their first game or it's, it's they're working with limited budget. We don't have, a, we're starting to get sort of bigger studios, but the, the majority of people in Melbourne are indie. Um, so a lot of people will apply for grants so it's grant depending if they're successful with their grants and they have some money to hire audio so usually it's once they've got in order to get the grant they often have to have like a little demo that they've submitted so it's usually at that point I think you can get on board at different stages but I, I, I do think earlier is better because then you can help them you know answer their audio questions and if they're putting a grant together for example you can help them be more realistic around costs around audio I think a lot of people don't realize costs and how, how long it takes and so often you're working with smaller budgets and an idea you know the more you have it's not just it's not just so yeah I can have lots of money it's more so that you can do more things with the music especially like a composer if you've if there's more budget it means you could hire instrumentalists and do things so the music could be even better which helps sells the game so if you can get involved in that I, I think also a lot of developers might have an idea of who they want to work with as well if they're out if they're out and about and they've met people they'll often have an idea of who they'd like to to work with who would be a good fit for the game but I'd probably say yeah if the first quarter of the game if that makes sense that first quarter they've they've worked on their own and then they'll start pulling in a team and like who are you I guess because they're independent games often so like who are you speaking with the creator of the game and like how do those conversations go when they're trying to establish what they want off again it depends on the size of the studio their labels might be just developer they might be a solo developer so they just call themselves a developer where they're they're kind of everything they're coders and designers and everything or it might be um, a few people in the studio and you might be speaking with the creative director or the director or the producer but usually it's the person who's it's their baby you know the game is their baby they're very much involved in making those decisions hiring people and they've got an idea of uh, like an aesthetic for the sound and what what they're looking for but I suppose they go by different titles but it depends on yeah how big how many people are in the studio yeah. Like, is there a weird way someone's tried to describe what they want to you before? Uh, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, I suppose I wouldn't classify it as weird. I think a lot of people don't know what they want, but they know what they want to feel like. So 
for Ring of Pain, Simon, who is the main lead person that put that together, said that he wanted something dark, just not horror. And that was that was pretty much the brief. Funnily enough, I think I went horror anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he just wanted something, yeah, that he didn't know. He Yeah, he was pretty open with the creative process. He's like, I don't know what I want. I just want it to be sort of dark that matches the game. Have fun, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's not bad. Not a bad way to just get set up. Yeah. But I mean, other people have been more specific about what they want and they've put playlists together and they're, they're quite specific with, okay, in here we want this track, we want this happening and that sort of stuff. And then I think you just bring your your kind of sound palette to that. So how are you going to do it your way? So I think that there's, there's everything and everything in between. <laughs> so, okay, well, let's talk about, I guess, Ring of Pain to be specific then. Uh, well, you say you're a private person. Are you like, do you just like shut yourself in your room? Like, how do you work? <laughs> how, how do you do your job? <laughs> I, it's just me in my room and my two cats. That's oh, it. <laughs> Sometimes the cats jump on the keyboard for their creative input. I'm like, oh, that's a good so idea. Nice. I'm a genius. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's just me in my room. the The only thing I did for that one is I got the official soundtrack mastered by a professional mastering engineer. But otherwise, all the sounds and everything else is created for me. So I think it's useful knowing how to play instruments. And, you know, I play things in, you know, I play the saxophone. So I, in some of them, I was sort of trying to play really high wild notes and just like, let's, let's just see if that works, you know? Yeah. But a lot of it is in the computer that I'm building tracks and looking at, yeah, fully realizing the tracks. And wait, do you write it first or you, you're literally playing inside the computer? I, I'll do, I'll do what's, what I refer to as like brainstorming sessions. So to get over that kind of, I think that fear of where you get stuck because you're like, oh my goodness, you know, this is, <laughs> this is something how, you know, it's going to be amazing. How am I going to make something? I do, I do like, I'm just going to do a brainstorming session and that way I give myself permission to write bad music because sometimes you've got to write lots of stuff to get to an idea, but you don't know what that idea is. You just got to start creating. And I think sometimes we get caught up in, well, that doesn't sound good enough. It doesn't sound good enough. So I'll, I'll spend time just exploring, playing instruments. Uh, I do a lot of where I'll research online just to start getting ideas. I'll, and that might be depending on the game, if there's, if there's like with Ring of Pain, there was a, a demo of the game so I could see what the game look like but other games they don't really have a lot of content so then I'll go and look for images myself of what you know this is after having a a chat with them so I know what it kind of looks like visually uh, uh, sort of mentally I can sort of get an idea of what the image is going to look like and then I will go and find images and I will kind of storyboard myself and then I will go online and then start looking for examples of music and then just start collecting references to tracks and then write myself little notes of like I like the pulse in this track you know, at one minute oh three, I like this, and and at this, I like I like what they've done here. But you know, and I'm sort of just picking bits from different tracks just to start creating ideas, and then I kind of let that marinate, <laughs> and then I try to create something, and and somehow that all influences what I'm doing. And yeah, so I suppose I'm I'm looking for influences rather than sitting in my room on my on my own, going, all right. <laughs> have to create something. Let's write um, a it's just to sort of yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and go. Um, it's just to sort of simulate creativity. Yeah. It's my process. Yeah, I, no, that is so interesting. And I think that's kind of a good thing to outline that you don't just have to like sit at your computer and then boom, it comes out 
your fingers. It's like you kind of work towards it. You start mm. brainstorming, you start creeping towards, oh, this is interesting. You know, it's a process. So I think that's cool that you found mm. your process. Yeah, I think, you know, I think it depends on deadlines. With games, you often have time. I know a TV composer and he has a week to, to write all his cues. So he says, you know, your first your first idea is your last idea. <laughs> um, whereas for games, you have time. So I have time to explore. And I really like that idea that I get to kind of, you know, sit and drink coffee and look out the window and... <laughs> Ponder uh, some horrifying yeah, that's things. Right. Yeah. Ponder life and <laughs> uh, yeah, and explore stuff. Yeah, I, I really like that. Um, and it just it just again, I think that's just what I like to do. Other people work differently, but I like to explore sounds and and I, I do think it's like, well, how can I make? What does this game sound like? And what's the story? And how does that tie into the the game itself? And try and intellectualize it so that it makes sense somehow. Yeah, it's it's all that stuff of what what's the sound of the game instrumentation and then and then it starts answering those questions of instru- instrumentation wise like with Ring of Pain I was re- really aware of I don't want to use guitar. I don't want to have like electric guitar and all that stuff. It it doesn't match the world. It's like fantasy but it's dark fantasy. And then starting to answer those you know the problems of the game. So with with games, they have sort of problems, which is like, well, how do you make the music not boring um, or repetitive because it's based on what the player's doing. It's not linear. So if a player's doing a certain thing, I don't want the, the experience to get boring because that will pull the player out of that that experience that they're having. Um, so all of that sort of stuff is kind of putting it all together. And then do I want it? Do I want it to have strong themes? Is who who's got themes? Is it the character? Is it you know it, you know how big is the sound here? Or what do I want the what's the player feeling? What do we want the player to feel? What does you know how can I create that sound? That's it's all that stuff. Uh, and then I'll often have if I've got the game. So with Ring of Pain, I had the demo. So I was playing the game, or or I'll play the game and I'll film myself playing the game, and then I'll play that video, and then I'll be sort of just creating music. Looking Looking at the screen just to go, does this work? Does that work? Like, what does it look like against the the picture? A lot of things to consider. Yeah. <laughs> um, I heard that you like to, because I know you said you had to choose like music or sound, uh, like sound effects designing in games. But I also heard you like to work designy sound design into your music. <laughs> sound design music. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, can you tell me a bit about that? And um, also, I'm, I'm curious about is there a level of consideration that has to be made for the effects that get put in? Because they must be establishing a palette through sound design as well. So how does that all work? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, it, it comes up, again, it's based on the individual. That was just something that I, that was my decision because I wanted to be a composer. You, you don't have to do that. You could do sound effects if you wanted to. It was more to build, you know, you, you, you really collecting sounds, you're gathering sounds and you're buying libraries so that you can create certain sounds. Um, and there was just a, there's just a cost involved in that. So for me, that was the decision. Other people do do sound sound effects and and music, but it, it, again, with with sound design, it's definitely you know a sound designer would definitely be thinking along those same lines of well, what's the sound of the game? Is it earthy? Is it kind of where do I take the sound effects? Because they they can be they can impact the music as well. And you, you're often having a chat with the sound designer about what they're doing with with the sound. So with Ring of Pain, the designer wanted to and some of the sound effects he wanted it to be melodic. So we had to decide, okay, well, is, are we 
per level, is it is it going to be, it, it, obviously the sound design had to match the key of the music. So initially I had different tracks and the key was different in different areas. And so we're like, well, does the sound effects change to match the key? But that would just be weird. So how about we just have the same key throughout the whole game? So we had to make those kind of decisions. So it's, But I do find that it's definitely, it, it's the same thing, even though they, they sound like they're just sound effects. You're still considering the feel of the design of the game, the audio design of the game, again, to match the game and, you know, how much are you creating sounds yourself compared to kind of getting libraries and manipulating the sounds from libraries. So a a lot of people will kind of combine the two. They'll have libraries and then they'll go out and record sounds themselves and it will kind of be the blend of the two. But it's definitely a creative process. It's just a, a bit different because you're creating world sounds, but it's, yeah, it's definitely a creative process. Yeah, no, for sure. I was just, I guess I was, I just wasn't totally sure if, um, if they keep composers and sound, sound effects, uh, separate until the end. And you're like, oh no, these clash, you know what I mean? So I wasn't sure if like you guys were, um, yeah. you know, in, in oh, conversation. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's part of the, it's definitely part of the creative process as well. That I mean, other things you have to consider is, you know, what if in the game someone, you, you have the option to turn the music off? What happens with the sound design then? then? And if you turn the music back on, is it that the sound design is there, the music's just on top or does that get too busy? Or how do you, can you have moments where the music disappears and the sound design comes up more and, you know, all that kind of stuff. You're you're definitely involved in those creative processes. And, and a lot of times you're, you're speaking with a sound designer and you come up with ideas and then you take that to, you know, the creative director or whoever it is and say, hey, we're thinking about doing this. But it's, defi- it's definitely a team thing. Yeah. It's, you're working with other people (laughs) and you may even have to go to the point of, well, you know, is my music too full because there's no room on the frequency spectrum for sound design? (laughs) You know, um, maybe if the, if a lot of the sound elements are low end, you know, where's my music going to fit in that, um, that doesn't clash. So you're conscious about those things. You know, it's not just first in, you know. Right. <laughs> oh, I got the low end. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, no, it's so cool because, um, yeah, it's just amazing how when it all comes together, it just creates this mm. experience, which I'm curious about. Can you tell me about playing a game you've worked on and like what that feels like when it's all done and you get to actually experience it as a player? <laughs> uh, I don't know that you ever really experienced it as a player. Only if you, I mean, rec- I actually went back recently because Ring of Pain didn't update and I went back and updated the game and had a little play. But I don't know that you ever hear it the same as a player and because I know the game so well because I've played it so much. Yeah, it it it, it, it takes that it takes the sparkle out a little bit, but but I think you're always weirdly you're, when when I'm working, I'm always trying to get to that point of feeling like the player, if that makes sense. I'm always trying to feel what it would feel like to be the player, but then making creative decisions around that. Yeah, it, it it's when when music when the music started first going in the game, it was weird because it yeah it's it's such a weird experience. It feels weird <laughs> to be able to to hear your music in something, and then I think you got to give it a bit of time, and then it. Yeah, I think ultimately I'm always looking to try and have that experience that the player is having. So, you know, what's the player feeling? I'm always trying to feel like the player, but I'm always trying to make creative decisions at the same time. So I, I think it's hard to ever truly experience you know, a game that you've worked on in the same way a player does. But, you know, with Ring of Pain, I could see that it was a very clever, smart game. 
you know, I, th- I think what he had come up with was a really clever idea. So I could I could see that it was working well and it, the mechanics worked well. And but there is a there is a nice side to it, which is you get to see the game in development because I'm not a visual artist and and visual effects designer. So when all that stuff was coming in in the game, it's like, oh, this is getting better and better, you know. <laughs> so I think that you get that side of it, of the excitement of everything coming together to yeah to see how something how much time it's all taken and, you know, yeah, the, the, the coding behind the scenes and the bugs and everything else. And, and then it all kind of comes together to make it really smooth. It's, it's an interesting process. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, it's so weird as a consumer of media, we could just kind of like mm-hmm. experience it all. Yeah, with no, right. you know, oh, sorry, like totally detached, like no work goes in it on our part. And there's mm. just so much mm. behind everything. It's pretty amazing. What DAW do you work in? Do you work in Pro Tools? Uh, I'm Cubase. Yeah, I've only been introduced to Pro Tools because I'm a baby. <laughs> but um, yeah. is that the, like the only one you know or are most comfortable with or is it like standard in the gaming? No, I think in gaming I wouldn't... I mean, I think a lot of things are moving away from kind of a standard, I think. I know Pro Tools is definitely probably considered still the standard, but the reality is at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what you use. It's that, you know, it does what you need it to do. You know how to use it. You can get a good sound. That's really what happens because so many people work from home or remote or, you know, there's not that I suppose it's more studios have sound design jobs that you're an in-house sound designer. So it may be that you're using their equipment, but as a composer, it's very rare to have an in-house position. So I wouldn't say it matters as much as it used to, but definitely with games, it's very broad. Reaper's probably a program which is becoming a lot more popular within the game industry because you can do a lot of programming with it. You can write a lot of scripts to get it to do things. So a lot of people like that. Um, they can get they can build their own scripts to, to make it do things. So, but I think ultimately it's it's whatever whatever you're comfortable using and helps you with the workflow that you're that you do. Just get to know it really well to you know. So it's second nature. I think that's I think that's probably the best thing, you know. <laughs> Sounds like good advice, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just know it. <laughs> and then, it, and then, it, and then, you know, a lot of it, it really comes down to just being a producer, knowing all the tricks, you know, if you need to, you know, how do you side chain, chain compression? How do you, you know, do you have, you know, because at the end of the day, we use so many plugins. So your reverbs and your compressors and your EQs and everything, that they can all be plugins. And you're using contact and you're using virtual instruments. So a lot of that other stuff, it's just a, a, a means to access the plugins that you're using. Yeah, yeah. That was going to be so, my next and then question, actually. Comes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it just kind of comes down to training your ears to be able to hear things um, and that you have more favoured compressors and stuff that you're using, really. I think that's, you know, that's what it comes down to. So in that case... What compressor do you favor or like what are some of your favorite plugins that, you know, make their way regularly into your workflow? I do like stuff from IK Multimedia. I do like their compressors and EQ. I mean, I would say at the end of the day, things will always change. So the compressor that you're using, it's probably going to change. You're probably going to try different compressors. It's the same as virtual instruments. Everything is going to change. So I, you know, I think (laughs) the best tool that you can ever um, invest in is your ears and your creativity. I think, you know, there's, there's so many times that I walk away 
from my computer and I, you know, wander around outside and I'm trying to use my brain to think of how do I want it to sound. So trying to imagine the sound creatively, I think, you know, your creativity is probably the most valuable tool because everything else you can learn. But, you know, practicing creativity is is a lot harder and takes a lot longer. Yeah, it, it, it depends on what you're working on, I think. But I think at the end of the day, I'm a big fan of I know it sounds weird, but practicing your creativity. I believe that everyone's a creative being and it's just that whether you have been allowed to practice your creativity or not, I'm a big fan of improvisation. I played jazz for years <laughs> and I think for me, I just fall back on that a lot. It's like, okay, I need something. I'm just going to improvise um, and see what comes up and then take the bits that I like. To me, that's just you're practicing creativity to practice your musicianship, practice writing music, practice composing, practice production. I, I'm a big fan of falling back on the practice, focus on the practice, not the not necessarily the outcome, if that makes sense. If you focus on your day, if you focus on your practice, you're only going to get better. But if you're focusing on the external stuff, I think the focus is on kind of the wrong thing because at the end of the day, it's about you being creative. So yeah, it's just put as much time as you can in the week into practicing what you're doing. For me, I think that's the biggest thing because, the, you know, you, you start off imitating people. I think everyone listens to Hans Zimmer and they're like, oh, I want to sound like that, you know, uh, and so you practice that and you imitate. And I think a lot of singer-songwriters, is they imitate their, you know, the people that they love. But then you get to a point of like, well, what am I trying to do? And then you start exploring sounds a bit more. And I think that's just the practice practice side. Once you've practiced a certain sound, get a certain sound, and then you start practicing other things. I think the more you do it, the more you're forced to kind of create new stuff. And then that's where, you know, people talk about have a voice and everything. And I think that's where it kind of comes from a bit that you've been exploring sounds for a while. You're not just trying to imitate anymore. It's that it's now you are exploring <laughs> rather than copying someone else's exploration. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I, I think that's great. I think that's really important that you outlined that. I'm sure it's daunting when you're like, how do they all do it? But it really is yeah. just like practice your craft. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of this. There's a guy called Seth Godin. He's got a book called The Practice. And yeah. I've seen his TED I, talks, I love yeah. Is that him? Yeah. No, he's got some really good stuff. Um, and he he talks about that because he, he writes a blog every day and people always ask him, oh, how did you, how do you create all this great content? And he says, well, I write a blog every day. That's how I do it. 50% of my stuff is below average, you know? Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, it, but it was, he, you know, he says, I wrote bad blogs and now they're better. <laughs> but he's very much, don't focus on is it good or bad. It's just he just writes for that day and then tomorrow he focuses on tomorrow. But he's very much on the practice, not the external stuff. And, I'm, and he also, I really like his idea if he says that there's no such thing as creative blocks. Because if he, cause if he says, if, if I tell you to go and write 10 bad blogs, I'm sure you could go and write 10 bl bad blogs, but the problem is that you have these expectations on them and that's where the blockage comes. So it's the same thing. I'm sure if I, you know, if we said go and write some bad music for us, write it as bad as possible, you'd be able to do that. But I think a lot of it is, it's all these, you know, when you go to write, it's you're not focusing on the writing. You're focusing on, I want to win awards. I want to get games. I want to do, you know, I need to build a career. I need to make money. So there's all this stuff that it's not, it's no longer about just this music the music you're writing, all of a sudden, it's just, it's everything. <laughs> 
So how can you write music when the music represents Everything. your career yeah. and, you know, everything, yeah, you know? Yeah. So of course you're going to get blocked. Um, and that's more what creative block is, which is why I come back to the thing of that's why I tell myself I'm just doing brainstorming today. And you know what? If the music is bad, that's fine because I probably need to write bat 10 bad bits of music to get to a better one. I try and just focus on practicing something to get an idea for this thing rather than focusing on what it represents to try and get away from the logic side of your brain and just allow the creative brain to do its thing. It's definitely hard and disassociating the two, but yeah. And, and I definitely like his idea of focus on the practice and, and, and then allow the other stuff to, to follow, but you have to have kind of that inner success before you have external success and the practice is the inner success. I love that. I'm uh... I'm inspired. Uh, <laughs> I am. <laughs> uh, Belinda, what do you do um, otherwise? Like, what do you do in your spare time? What are your hobbies? How do you keep yourself healthy and sane? It's changed over the years. I used to really enjoy exercising and I used, I was learning jujitsu for a while. The last couple of years I've, I've it's, it's been difficult, uh, obviously with coronavirus, but you know, when I pivoted my career, I tried not to spend as much money. So I don't do as many things as I did now, but I knew that that would come with sacrifice. It is hard because my hobbies were music and, you know, being, if I had emotions, I would take to my instruments to, to play it out. So how do you, how do you kind of have music as everything and then have a break from it? Good question. <laughs> so I, w- I would say that it's something that I want to improve. I'm not good at having other things in life at the moment. But probably, you know, probably video games. It's easy to now. I just sort of think, well, it's it's part of doing my of research. Course, it is, yeah. <laughs> so I can, like, I'm allowed to play games now. But yeah, it it's a hard one to answer because I used to be a lot better at doing a lot more things, but with coronavirus. It's a hard one to add to this year, yeah, I think. No, that's okay. <laughs> no, this, it was really, really, really good talking to you. I guess the final question, if you are comfortable to do so, where can yeah, people sure. find you on your happening social media? Uh, my, my, my attempt at social media. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, but I'm probably the most active on Twitter. So it's just my full name, Belinda Coombs. Yeah, my, my website and everything, but I, I, I often respond to people's emails, always happy to try and help people where I can answer people's questions if people email or reach out. So yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and for telling your awesome story and you're killing it and you're going to scare the pants <laughs> off so many people, which is really cool. That's yeah, the plan. Yeah. I mean, God, that's, yeah, that's really cool. No, I'm more than happy to be, to be on the podcast. It's fun talking. Oh, thank you. Thanks for joining. The first annual Soundgirls virtual conference is coming up December 4th and 5th. Two days of sessions in post-production, live sound, recording arts, film and TV sound, broadcast, and more. Plenty of networking and mentoring opportunities. For more information on the Soundgirls virtual conference, check out the events tab at soundgirls.org. And if you need financial assistance to attend the event, please let us know by emailing soundgirls at soundgirls.org. Grab your tickets today. Looking for more audio-related podcasts to listen to? We're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance, featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. Be sure to hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org. 
Hi, this is Christian from the Sound Effect Podcast. In our latest episode, you'll hear supervising sound editor Koya Elliott of Skywalker Sound and re-recording mixer, sound designer, and supervising sound editor Ren Kleiss talk about their work on the latest Pixar animated feature, Soul. Hear it all at asoundeffect.com forward slash podcast.